Hello, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, just published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. What makes them tick? In this episode, I had a great conversation with Anissa Telwar, founder and CEO of Anissa International. Welcome to the Indispensables. I've got here Anissa Telwar Caker. Uh, Anissa is the founder and CEO of her namesake business, Anissa International. Uh, she started her business in 1992, and for almost three decades, she's pioneered the leadership product development and culture of this globally branded business through the design and manufacturing of cosmetic brushes for makeup and skincare. She partners with the most esteemed brands in the beauty industry. Uh, and Anissa is uh, a classic example of one of those people I've been studying for years, what I call the indispensables, those go-to people who stand out for how they conduct themselves, how they do business, and how they deal with other people. Anissa, welcome to The Indispensables. Thank you, Bruce. You're so kind. I'm excited to be talking to you today. This is a great way to start a Monday, so thank you. Well, I am thrilled to have you here. And um, full disclosure, Anissa and I met uh, maybe less than a year ago before the world was turned upside down. Uh, in one of her U.S. locations, and I was just dazzled by the things you had to say, by your hospitality, and by the people you surround yourself with. Uh, it was just so clear that you are like a magnet for them, uh, and the way everybody interacted, you could just feel the dynamic, the, the, the relationships, and the respect and integrity uh, among you and your team. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me. And I've worked hard to make sure that that's what we have. And it is, as you know, work in progress all the time. But I do have some great people and they have definitely proven themselves even more with the, you know, what we have going on now. Yeah, well, now you have really built um, an international brand and business. Uh, you have found a way to uh, support hundreds of people in your employ. How, how did you do it? Tell what's your story? Well, it's, it started from adversity. It didn't start, you know, where I was really clear. This is where we would be one day. I began working with a family business and the business dissolved um, in a very untimely manner. And I had been working with a family, you know, founder, which was my mother and, you know, Fatima, my mother, um, who I've called forever now her by her name because she was my boss. She taught me a lot. And those four years or five years that I worked with her at a very early formative age, and I did not finish you know, my college education, it just instilled in me you know, this desire to build something. And I, that's where it started. And then in 1992, I began my own business. I met a gentleman and we partnered in cosmetic brushes I never thought I'd do cosmetic brushes. I didn't wear a lot of makeup at that time. I wasn't a makeup artist. I knew international trade and I started to have an affinity for marketing and product design and product development. 
And so it began at that point. And, and yes, and every year it's been different. Every year it's been something new to focus on. Then when we built our own facility in 2003, it's because he and I decided to no longer work together. It was a must for me to survive and keep the business. And again, 28 years, I've been doing this. And I still, when I walk in the office today, I feel like I'm starting over every day sometimes. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to focus on? What am I learning? What am I contributing? It's amazing. And just last week with everything in the world when it comes to the cultural focus that how we need to change. Again, it was just a huge wake up. And it's pretty amazing to be in the position I'm in and to enact change if that's the kind of leader I want to be. Yeah, I, so you've said a couple things I'd like to explore. One, making success out of adversity, feeling challenged, feeling like you had to keep going. Say more about that. How, how central, is that just the experience you had? Or is that, has that become central to your way of thinking? That's a good point. I, I do not shy away from adversity now. I do expect it. I do expect that when challenge comes forward, it's meant and that I'm ready and we as a company are ready to take it on. It, it does still shock me sometimes where I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't know this was coming or wait a minute, why didn't I see this before? It wasn't time to see it. And so the initial adversity was very, very traumatic and very, very, you know, instilled in me a work ethic that I think now has gotten me to understand COVID and a pandemic. So if I hadn't gone through that, I could not be going through what we're going through now and still have a business that is sustaining, um, understanding when you have to contract, where you contract, you can still survive. Also planning for something of this nature was a bit instilled in me that knowing the bottom can always fall out. Uh, you know, I think that has given me good and bad. Maybe I didn't grow my business as big, a, as big as I could have because I was too concerned to be leveraged. I was too concerned to bring in partners that I could not have control if something did happen. Uh, so there's been plus and minus in all of it, but it's been my journey. Yeah. So how do you maintain control? I mean, is it, and how important is that to you? Is it, and, and why is that? So control to me right now um, has to do with direction. Uh, control has to do with vision. Control has to do with inspiration and motivation. So I'm not saying control, like, yes, a part of me right now would like to control everything because I want, because I'm just <laughs> a control freak. And so, however, I also want, I don't want to do it all anymore. And I love seeing other people take control that is very inspiring to me now again control has to do with direction control has to do with helping people understand we have boundaries that are healthy for us stay within the boundary so we can grow the boundary will grow as much as we will grow um, boundaries are for safety too right so let's not go outside that boundary because it's not safe out there i think what my team is understanding is when I'm looking for control, it's because there is a need for process to protect us financially and to ensure that we can limit our mistakes. So that to me is what control's about now. It's not like do it my way because my way or the highway, which it used to be. <laughs> but I didn't know how to say it any other way. I didn't know how to say it any other way. I can say it in a way that 
can I share with you the need for us to have control because of the benefit or because of the problem we could eventually have? Yeah, I mean, the so, reason I'm zeroing in on control is because I think so many people right now, I mean, look, day to day in the best of times, so many people feel like they're subject to so many factors outside their control. But I think right now, people are really feeling that. And, uh, you know, you project leadership, uh, especially when I saw you around your people. Uh, it's just so clear you're the center of gravity, uh, not because you have all the authority, but because you have the influence. You're the one everyone looks to. And so I think when people are feeling so out of control, um, yeah. it's, it's, it, they want a leader who makes them feel like things are more under control. So there is exactly. So when they come into the confines of our world of Anissa International, Anissa Beauty, Anissa Tension, they know there's consistency and they can escape the chaos for a period of time. That has been my goal from the beginning to give them a place to come, to focus, because the minute they leave here, they're back in chaos. Work is a place that feels safe, supportive. Work is a place where they can add value and thrive. And have control. They can have control here. They can have something that's very consistent, right? So they can have something they can depend on. And I think we all need that right now, because there's, like you said, too much we can't control. Let me ask you a little bit about that sort of interpersonal dynamic and that influence. It, you know, some people, they try so hard to influence others and other people, the way they conduct themselves and the way they treat other people, it makes others think highly of them. It makes others want to work with them. It makes others want to make good use of their time. It makes others want you to want to work with them. It seems to me you're, you're a great example of that kind of real influence. And I think some of it comes from integrity, uh, fundamental integrity. I think a lot of it comes from how you seem to think about relationships and how you treat people. Can, can you say more about that? So I'm going to be 54 next month. I started when I was in my, I was 24. So it's been 30 years. And, and don't tell people that they won't believe you. Well, it's been 30 years. So what you said about me was so nice. Thank you so much. However, it wasn't always like that. Right. So it was where it was like, I was going to hammer my influence or I was going to, you know, shout my influence or threaten my influence or still instill fear. It's taken a long, long time. And still to this day, you know, I have to focus on first having influence over myself, right? Like I need to be the kind of person that I can be comfortable with. And when I leave here, um, I do a check. I always do a check when I start the day, when I end the day, what did I do well? What could I have done better? And it always is people interactions where I could have done better. I always recognize what could I've done better? So I think that self-awareness, self-check, self-correction is the only way I'm ever going to be able to continue if I, you know, this influence. And it's changed. People want to be influenced in different ways. They don't want to be convinced. I don't know what they want sometimes, but I can only live my life in a way that I can, you know, sleep at night. <laughs> right. And 
not everybody could live like me because I'm kind of nuts. You know, I'm OCD, my poor husband, I don't know how he deals with me, but um, I, I need things to, to have a manner of a way of being and that helps me stay in check. And that's just me and everybody's different. And I need to respect, I think that's the other thing with influencing right now is really respecting the differences in people and the information they are drawn to and the things they find important. I'm just, I wish I could just sit with them, you know, for hours and just like, tell me what you're learning, right? Because they listen to so many different things than I do. Right, but, but um, so that's really interesting because of course the way some people want to influence others is they want to figure them out and you say convince them. They want to figure them out and figure out how to leverage rewards and punishments, you know, to, to drive their, their behavior. Uh, they want to figure out how to manipulate them maybe. But, but it seems like there's a fundamental respect for others that runs through your ethos. And uh, it's one of the things that really attracted me uh, to you and made me want to have this conversation. Uh, and you say self-awareness, I, I agree with you. I think self-awareness and self-evaluation and self-check is so important. And so I want to draw a bright line under what you said at the end of the day, what did I do well? What could I do better? What could I have done better? And, and in particular, you said uh, a lot of your focus comes from your interactions with other people. And you think, gee, you know, maybe I could have done better with that person maybe or in that interaction. But you also said you start the day with a check. What does your start the day check look like? Well, I envision, you know, what do I want to do? Who am I going to be seeing? I usually have these phone calls in the morning, you know, that I'm on my way in and I'm going through kind of like what's happening. Um, I think in the morning, what I've also noticed is asking people how they're doing when I come in the door and just not hammering them. I, somebody said to me, because when I walk into the door, I'm pretty much in the company. And usually it's rare that a CEO would have that much engagement so early. So people are at their desk. They see me walking in. How am I going to walk in? You know, am I going to say hello? Am I going to look at people? Am I going to be all huffy? Am I going to run to my office? That is going to set the tone for the day. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, if, you, if, you, if you project crisis, then people are going to feel, uh-oh, are we in crisis? If you project confidence, but, but, but if you project connection, yes. then people thrive on you. Yes, and I just need to, again, my morning ritual of, you know, I have to meditate, I need to have my breakfast, I need to be organized, I need to come in looking like somewhat put together. Um, it's not all the time. They know it when I'm tired, they know it when I'm burnt out, they know it when I've had enough, they, they know me, and it, it impacts everybody here. I'm just trying to not impact them. I don't want to impact them in a way that just takes them out. You know what I mean? Understand your interpersonal power, um, and that's something not all leaders uh, realize. You know, part of the narcissism of leadership can be that you know leaders don't realize how much of an effect they have on other people. That yeah, you can only control you, but you have a big effect on others. I love that you said you have to um, meditate, you have to eat your breakfast, you have to uh, make sure you're put together, you have to get organized. Because in a way, that's like saying mind, body, spirit. Hundred percent. Right, you got to get yourself squared away. Yes, a hundred percent. And like on the way here, I don't know what's wrong, but I almost hit a squirrel. <laughs> I was like, this poor guy was on his bike. I'm like, what is wrong with me right now? Like, get it together. Like, you know, oh, it's just. But I think you know the other thing that you know when we talk about self correction, self check, 
self-awareness, if we don't have compassion for ourselves, it's really hard because if we can be so critical of ourselves and if we can't allow the criticism in, but also saying, okay, I get it. You messed up. You're going to do better and believing it and just moving on because we can keep those feelings inside of us and then it becomes counter effective where we can't self check because it's just too much. You know, we've criticized ourselves to the point where nothing we do is good enough. So also getting to that place of, okay, I could have done it better. I'm moving on, let it go. And I will do better next time. Trusting I'll do better is what I'm also working on. Yeah, but I love how that connects to what you said at the beginning of our conversation, which is it's a work in progress, right? And, and if you take any snapshot in time of yourself, your work, your relationships, your influence, uh, you know, any snapshot in time, you might think, oh, there's so much to be done and so much room to improve. But if you can be okay with the fact that it's a work in progress, then you just say, okay, how do I keep doing better? And though people may not allow me that work in progress because people come in here with high expectations. And if I don't meet their expectations, they are going to definitely say something about it. I don't get to make mistakes in their eyes. I, and that's a hard thing for me because I am going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes in front of everybody. So that's you know one of the more difficult things I'm coming to terms with right now, allowing people to criticize me, whether they know the full story, whether they understand the background. I've made mistakes 100%. And there's nothing I can do. People can say whatever they want. And I just got to go with it. <laughs> um, so that's kind of tough, you know, in public learning, you know, and being vulnerable. There's something about extending vulnerability and learning in plain sight that's an inspiration to others, I think. I mean, look, when you're a role model, I mean, when I think of role models, you know, I don't want to put forward someone who thinks they've already got it all figured out. Because when you stop learning, you start unlearning. And yeah. Uh, so I think as a role model for others to extend vulnerability and to learn in plain sight, for one thing, it's, it's authentic. And for another thing, I think it's a gift to others because look, you know, it's gotta be the case. Certainly I thought this when I first met you is how does somebody get to be you, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people think that how does somebody get to be you? And, and to see that you are human, that you're vulnerable, that you're learning in plain sight, um, I think that's a gift. Thank you. It doesn't always feel like that. <laughs> so tell me, what is it you think? I mean, I want to ask you what you look for in other people. But, but what is it you think, if, if you were to say, you, when you add value, uh, I know how you add value for your customers because after I uh, visited you in New York, you were kind enough to send a box of your products. <laughs> My wife was like, uh, how do we get to know this person better? Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, but maybe you can give people some insight into how you add value day to day for your colleagues, for your direct reports, for your vendors. What's your approach to, to serving others? Because it seems like that's a big theme in your persona. Well, I think what people do like, and if you want to work with me, I'm really good at giving direction. I'm really good at seeing what needs to be done and, and, and how to get there. And 
you know, making it clear, like, are we, is this what you want? Sometimes that's, you know, what's not great is I can come into a room and just start giving direction, direction, direction. Sometimes that's fantastic. However, I think what's important now is listening so that when I give the direction, <laughs> it makes sense. So, but I think that is what one of my greatest assets and I can organize that direction. So I can give you a step process and I can give you this formula for success. And I think that people enjoy that and they see that it can work. And so, and, and again, I have to allow people though, not everybody wants that. Not everybody needs that. Some people want to get there on their own. They don't want me to tell them what to do. They just need me to tell them what I want. And so that's from my end internally. And that's what I'm wanting to get better at. If somebody has failed in my company, I was not clear at all about what success would be for them. And that's what I'm also starting to realize when I hired certain executives. I wasn't clear to them about what success would mean. So I think there's two spectrums, right? So someone who needs something from me, I can help direct, organize, and someone that I need to give something to, I need to just tell them what I want and help them, you know, get there. So it's, it's like giving them the right guardrails? Well, also a goal. I think all of us, the people I do like around me want results and they feel good when they create results and they feel good when they make an impact. So I think it's having a goal and I'm all for like, where are we going next? So we're, ne we're never really sitting, but maybe I need to be careful how many goals we have, but there's always a goal. There's always a vision. Well, so how do you do that when there's, right, there's always too much to do, not enough time. Yeah. Um, I was uh, just the other day talking with uh, an emergency room nursing leader and expert. And, you know, in those cases, when they have uh, too much to do and not enough time, literally lives are on the line, right? So you have um, in, in medicine, you have the triage process. Uh, which is, you know, gee, in some cases, and we were worried about this during COVID and uh, the, the influx to hospitals, uh, you might have a case where not everyone can get care. So you have to decide who's not going to get the care and who is, right? Those are very hard decisions to make. They're life and death decisions. But in any day-to-day -day business, when you're ambitious, you have too much to do, not enough time. How do you make those decisions? Yes, and they come from the executive meetings. I think having more, we've started to have uh, two executive meetings a week and more touch bases. So I think what happens is you have to pivot and you have to be flexible. So right, what is like the initial path that you start and you think is important? Usually it's like peeling an onion and something else comes up and then that's what's gonna become important. Right. I think the biggest thing I'm learning right now is not to give up because what I've done in the past, it's become too hard and I get too much resistance. So I just quit because I am not traveling right now and I'm not going anywhere. I am very, very focused and I am, I am more resolved. And I think because of that, my team knows that. So because of, they know I'm not going anywhere right now. <laughs> so does that mean that you're so look, if you're making those decisions, right, by and large, you know, um, if you're not there, you have to give them the guidance and direction they need so that they know when to say no, uh, how to say yes, uh, they know how to process competing priorities. But if you're there, I mean, you've got the authority to do that, but how do you make those decisions? 
Oh, I'm, I'm getting more to root cause. I think that I've been dealing with symptoms. I think we've all been dealing with symptoms for a long time. And now, because we're standing still, I think the decisions are coming from root cause right now. So where is the root is what I'm looking for. Where is it, where is it coming from? You know, instead of Band-Aid effects. Like that's okay. what, I think that's what has been happening for the last 10 years. And I have leadership that's also really into uncovering. Like I have people that also are not willing to glaze things over. They're willing to support me. We know we have about three months right now, maybe before the world might speed up a little bit more. So we are all diving very deep, which is, it's not easy. So in that dive, decisions are easy, you know, because you see it more clearly. I think it starts to come up what the problem really is. Instead of 10 problems, there's probably one. Our system is not sufficient. We didn't implement it correctly. It would handle all functions if we'll just Im implement it correctly. We need to do a process flow map and a product flow map. Once we do that, we'll see if people are in the right places. And that's usually the main problem. So it's the process and then it's gonna be the people. So that's what this is all about. And then decisions are- So it sounds like if, if, if you have, um, you have enough of an ongoing business that you have regular tasks, responsibilities, and projects that are ongoing. There are regular systems, practices, competencies. There are standard operating procedures. So if you have a decision to make, um, I assume that maybe there's an opportunity that you want to figure out, can we seize that and apply sufficient resources to that? Or if there's something out of the ordinary, it's a problem. And what you're saying is, um, rather than putting a Band-Aid on a problem, you want to figure out what's really going on here so that whatever resources you apply have more leverage. Correct. Because right now, again, the silver lining in this pandemic is that resources are more vital than ever and nothing really I want to waste. So that's a heightened sense, right, which is great. And everything needs to be maximized because I think we will grow again. I think we are going to get, you know, I think things will be righted again. I think things could be great again. So it will take time. However, I want to be ready for that. So, so uh, yeah, let me zero in on that. So you're saying in this crisis moment, it sounds like you're shining a bright light on what might be positive outcomes that it's making your existing resources uh, more vividly precious. Um, it's, it's raising the stakes and it's, it's putting more of an emphasis for you on, on preparing the groundwork for uh, what might come next. Yes. Cause I do believe there will be a next. I, I do believe in a positive future. I do believe in my business. And I think that helps pull forward what decisions need to be made because I'm building for the future. What do you think? I mean, are things going to be the same or, or the, I mean, on the other side of this, what, what's it going to look like? I don't know. I think, you know, we're resilient and there's so much that has come out of this. However, I don't know. Like I thought we would have been through this a lot faster. I hope it's not going to resurge again. And you know, the fall that people are with this and that, but I think that in two years, and it's gonna look very different for all of us in a good way. I do think 50 years from now, what researchers are gonna see and scientists are gonna see and sociologists are gonna see and psychologists, like, I think we can't imagine what's happening right now. 
And that to me is brilliant. However, I may not see that in my lifetime. But being just patient that this is happening and we're part of this process, I think is a good thing. So we just, we got to take it moment by moment and we have to know we are coming out of this and we will be better for it. It's going to take time. We'll all have a bit of PTSD for a while. (laughs) We won't know hug someone or stand close to someone, you know? Yeah, right. Or uh, it's such a peculiar situation. Do you think it's, it's, are you seeing that some people it's bringing out the best in and others are having a harder time? I think for everyone, it's really hard. Like it was hard for me this weekend. Like I haven't traveled anywhere since March. I feel very constricted. I get a lot of my stimulation from going to London or going to New York or going to California, seeing my team, my sales team, from being with people, talking about new ideas. Uh, I think for all of us, it's been difficult in different ways. And you just can't avoid it. The journey is to go inward. The journey is to be with our close tribe. The journey is to focus on what am I learning and to continue just doing that. This is our inward journey. And that is okay. And it's to take care of each other. You know, we need to help each other out. We need to care for each other. We need to be compassionate. Who's hurting? How can I help them? Um, This is real. I mean, this is real. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it's going to do a lot, I hope for people. And I mean, I just want to focus on that because I think there is so much that I don't see how it's impacting people. Um, Like I, I know the protests were happening, but I did not go to them, but I support them. I know they're there and I'm going to be doing a lot now in my company. Like that's what, again, like that I'm, it's a wake up. Like, it's just a wake up. Like I'm not representing who we are in my brand, who I am in my corporate company in my brand. Like, why would I not be doing that? So it's just like all these little, little things that are going to be huge. I think impacts for all of us. The huge impact of small things, take care of yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit, Prepare yourself for success every day. Take care of yourself and take care of other people. Um, uh, Check yourself at the end of every day. It's always a work in progress and prepare for a greater future. Uh, Anissa Telwar, thank you so much for being who you are, for leading the people you do. Um, It's an honor and a privilege to know you and thank you for being on The Indispensables. I'm so kind, Bruce. Thank you. For our next episode, I talked with Bill Jacobs, who's a member of the Board of Trustees of King's Daughters Medical Center. Of course, we talked about COVID. Bill's also the former owner and publisher of The Daily Leader and The Prentice Headlight, two newspapers. And we talked about the civic virtues of journalism. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Any little bit helps to drive us up the charts. You can learn more about go-to-ism and the techniques which make indispensable people stand out in their jobs and careers and lives in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, available wherever books are sold. If you're interested in bulk orders, please check the show notes for more information. And finally, you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking, by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com, by following me on Twitter, at Bruce Tulgan, or find me 
on LinkedIn and Facebook at the links in the show notes. Until next time, stay strong and be indispensable at work.